Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back. George Norrie here, our birthday bash program. James Paris up next, author of more than 30 books and the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com. He regularly appears as a financial commentator on hundreds of radio and television shows nationwide. By the age of 30, he was a multimillionaire. By 40, he went bankrupt after becoming the victim of an embezzlement scheme perpetrated by his accountant, then still is his brother. Hey, James, welcome back, my friend. Hey, George. Happy birthday, pal. Great to be back with you. Thank you. How have you been? I'm great. I'm still playing with the big band, the 18-piece big band, which I know you love that music. Oh, yes. I'm playing with a small jazz combo. I am back into the real estate business now for about a year and uh, still, you know, writing and uh, doing a lot of uh, writing for medium.com and I'm working on another book right now also. Super. And you've rebounded from the tragedy that occurred some time ago for you? Yeah. Yeah. Everything has, has turned around. And, you know, the last time I was on, I talked about the death of my brother and how I forgave him and not just forgave him, but we reconnected because he only had a few months to live. And, uh, you know, he did pass away last year, but I feel so good that we reconnected. And um, I feel that it was really the right thing to do, not just, you know, because of my spiritual beliefs, but I also feel that it was the right thing to do in terms of not having any regrets, you know, because you can't go back when someone has already passed on. 
You can't go back and do that again. You don't have that chance again. So uh, I feel great that we reconnected and uh, were able to uh, let that all be, you know, water under the bridge. Was it an, an emotional reunion for you, James? Oh, it was. Uh, we were both, my brother and I were both crying. It was, uh, it was a really unusual moment. I mean, it, it didn't take away what he did to me and my family, but there was a healing there that's hard to explain. And forgiveness is very tough, but, you know, I've heard stories of people that are forgiven the murderers of family members. I mean, things like that. And they talk about the freedom and the release that it gives you spiritually. And um, that absolutely happened with me, with my brother. What was the big moment where you realized what the heck he did? Right. So what happened was every year, my companies, I had a broker dealer and also an investment advisor. We were licensed across the country. We had multiple offices. So George, one morning I get this very odd phone call from my outside accounting firm. So every year we had to have a very detailed, very expensive audit done that we had to give to all of the states that licensed Uh, us. What, by the big eight firms at the time? It wasn't a big eight firm, but it was something large like that. You know, this they couldn't be anybody auditing me. It had to be someone with a special licensing to audit a financial firm. So I got this phone call, and the uh, accountant said to me, the outside accountant, he said, look, um, there's $131,000 missing from the you know bank from last year, you know, trying to reconcile the accounts. And I said to him, what do you mean missing? Like it's a mistake. There's, you know, maybe some accounting that's behind internally. That's not showing that. Or I didn't uh, make as much as I thought or something like that. Right. Right. You know, with tax deductions and this and that, you you never know, you know, if it's funny money or real money. And he said uh, to me that, no, no, it, it is absolutely missing. And I said, well, the only two people that have access to the money are my brother and I. And he said to me something like, well, well, think about what you just said. And uh, he was clearly implying that it was my brother, but I wasn't really getting that. So I asked him again. I said, I'm not sure what you're saying. And he said, just think about what you just said. Well, that began um, an unraveling of an embezzlement scheme, and we stopped counting money when it hit $2 million. Wow. Um, because back then in order to get your accounting records, you had to go and pay for them at the bank if you had lost them. And in this case, my brother, as part of his scheme, had destroyed all of our bank records once he was uncovered. So I had to go and spend thousands of dollars at banks here in Florida and also in Texas where we had banking uh, to like basically do a forensic accounting to reconstruct all of our banking records. And so my lawyer said, once we got to 2 million, he said, no point in going any further. It's, you know, you're wiped out. Uh, we, we lost the companies because basically we were required to have a certain amount of money mm-hmm. in our business to stay in business. You know, if you're in that kind of, uh, you know, security sure. industry, prop it so up. that's, yeah. I lost the business and I lost all my money and lost everything. And when I tell people I lost everything, they think, oh yeah, but you still had the, you know, million dollars in a retirement account. No, no. I literally lost everything. My cars were repossessed. My house was foreclosed. We were scraping for money 
for groceries as a family. It was it was the worst scenario you could imagine, and it happened so fast. It was literally one day I'm being picked up in limousines at airports to be on TV shows, and then a few weeks later I'm out trying to get money to get groceries for my for my family. It was it was just surreal. Horrible, 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 horrible. And w- is it safe to assume? that with all that money that was taken, that your brother did not live high on the hog, so you couldn't see it. Well, he, he did have a cover story. So anytime there was a major expenditure, like he had purchased, you know, what was clearly a very luxurious house. And I started wondering, like, how's he affording this? But he always had a story. So he had claimed to have had an inheritance from his wife's side of the family that paid for that. He had similar stories of uh, land that he owned that got purchased by a utility company for 20 times what he paid for it. You know, stories to cover these extravagant expenses. And they were believable stories, right? They were, yeah, absolutely. And he was, honestly, he was a very good liar. And maybe part of it was because he was my brother, I just gave him the benefit of the doubt, or maybe he was just a really good liar. I don't know, George, if you know any really good liars, but I've run across a few in my life that could convince me of just about anything because they're just those kind of people. And uh, he he kept this going. Um, we think for at least a five-year period he was embezzling, and we don't know exactly how much, but it was into the millions that he was taking. You were on with me in September of last year. And when you're on, I got to believe you get a lot of emails and things from our listeners, don't you? I do. It's like nothing I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, I literally, the next week I spend answering those emails and I'm still not caught up, you know, after a week because so many come in. Yeah, it's it's incredible. What do they want from you? What do they ask? You know, it's it's interesting because there's a lot of different situations that people are in. Um, they'll ask for prayer. But, you know, one of the common themes that really breaks my heart is people who have lost hope. You know, as long as you have hope and faith, if you think that, hey, tomorrow is going to be better than today, the situation I'm in is going to pass, and I'm going to, you know, get into a better situation in the future. As long as you have that hope, you can get out of bed, you can move forward. But the people that contact me uh, through the website with the emails, these are mostly people that have lost hope, and, and it's heartbreaking. And I feel so humbled that they're reaching out to me for that hope. And that's when I turn them to prayer and what I learned in my book, which is that I'm not the guy that has the answers. It's God that has the answers. And I just have this belief that I developed through what I experienced, that if people would simply take the time to pray and listen, that God will give them a plan that will give them hope. And with hope, you can move forward. Without hope, you can't get out of bed in the morning. And I would say that is the the main theme of, of these emails that come in. Everybody's got different stories and circumstances, but when you've lost hope for the future, that is the darkest point to be in in life. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. 
It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Breathing. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell me your thoughts about prayer, James. What do you think it is, and why do you think it works? Right, so... I learned a very valuable lesson. I grew up as a spiritual person. We used to pray before we ate, you know, traditional things like that. And, um, you know, we learned in church, you know, about praying and asking God to help us, those kinds of things. But I always thought of it like I'm broadcasting something out to God. I'm, you know, saying words. I'm asking for something. But I really learned when I went through all of this, when I got to the point that I planned out my own suicide on three occasions, I got to that low of a point that I started 
I would go out to parks and sit on a park bench. I would go to the beach and sit and, and I would not, I started listening and I started bringing a yellow pad with me and I was filling up pages and pages of this yellow pad with information that I knew was coming from somewhere else because these were ideas that I did not have myself that were coming from somewhere. And this is where my journey of listening to God began. And one of those times I was sitting on a park bench and I ride by that bench every day on my bicycle when I ride 18 miles every morning. Um, that's the bench I was sitting on. I, I always see it. That's the bench where I was sitting. And God said, write a letter to George Norrie about your book on prayer. And I didn't know you. And I'm sure you get lots of letters and books and things like that. And I wrote the letter and it was just a matter of days that I heard from Tommy. And I was on my first appearance. I don't know how many years ago that was, but, you know, I never would have thought to do that because I just, you know, I was a listener but I just didn't know if this topic would really fit in in the show. And that was just something that God put on my heart. And, and I could tell you dozens and dozens of stories like that where in those times of sitting, sometimes for an hour, sometimes for two hours, that God would communicate this information to me. And it was absolutely life-changing. And now you're celebrating my birthday with us. I am, absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. When we talk about prayer, some people want to question, so you're praying for money? What are you praying for? How do you answer that? Right. So in my book, I talk about this idea of the bag of money prayer, which is probably the most common way if someone's having a financial problem, they'll pray for the money. So my rent is due Friday. I need $1,000. Or my utility bill is due in a week. I need $300. So they're looking for that money. And there's nothing wrong with that prayer. But I also think a better prayer is to ask God for wisdom and for his plan to put you in a situation where you're able to be self-sufficient and make those bills, you know, going forward without being in those crisis situations. And so what it really comes down to in my own case was I had this plan that I was praying for to God, for God to give me everything back that I lost. But God had a better plan for me, and I went into different kinds of businesses. I became uh, more of a solopreneur, smaller operation that I could keep greater control over. I had more peace in my life, uh, spending more time writing, doing speaking engagements, and, and not in that financial world in that way. And so one of the mistakes is we don't pray for wisdom because Wisdom is something that if God gives you wisdom, it's something for the future, too. It's not just a solution on Friday for the money you need, but and also praying for his plan. And, and I can't tell you how many times I've thought that I was so glad certain prayers were not answered, because what we want is not always what's best for us. And I believe if we pray in a way where we say, God, this is what I think I want, but I'm open to your better plan if you have something better in mind for me, uh, as we call it, God's will for us. And being willing to accept that alternative plan is part of prayer. Being open to something different might mean changing jobs. It might mean moving. You know, these are there are opportunities out there maybe to go back to school and get retrained in a different field. You've got to be open to what God might lead you to do 
and not be just limiting him to your plan. And that's what I did for years. I got stuck in this idea of I want the financial business back, but God gave me something better. In your book, How to Pray for a Financial Miracle, you discuss the power of group prayer. Tell me your thoughts on that. Right. So in the Bible, in the book of Matthew, um, it, it talks about the idea of where two or three are gathered together. I am in their midst. It, and I believe that God is calling us to gather together to pray. And this is something that is sort of a mystery. I've asked a lot of uh, spiritual leaders about this idea of group prayer. And they all concede that in every case, group prayer seems much more effective than individual prayer. Someday that's something I want to ask God, you know, why that is. It doesn't mean we shouldn't pray individually, but I think there's something powerful that happens when groups of people get together and pray. And it's something I think um, maybe sometimes you don't want to give the details to a friend to pray for you. Maybe you don't, it's something personal. You could just say it's private and it's personal, but I need your prayer right now. I just believe, just like what you do on the show, when groups of people get together and pray, it seems to be more effective than an individual prayer. And I don't really know why, but it absolutely seems to be the case. Interesting take on that. And uh, the one is worth more than the many, or the many is worth more than the one? Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting uh, concept to think about. But I think part of it, too, is I think um, when you're asking others for prayer, they might also be the answer to your prayer, which is kind of interesting because sometimes if you're telling someone, hey, I'm praying for groceries for my family— maybe that person is going to go buy the groceries and bring them to you. So I think part of it is sharing with others your needs and not being prideful and, and keeping that private. That's something I struggle with as well, understanding that there's a blessing to people that give. And I call it the giver's glow. And you'll see it happen. You'll be walking down the street and you'll see someone that bought a meal for a homeless person and they'll give that to the homeless person, and you'll see that gratefulness of the homeless person. But then as that person walks away, you can see that blessing in that person that they received by helping that person. I call it the giver's glow, and it's, it's, it's a blessing I think that's greater to the person that's giving the charity than even the person receiving it. You're absolutely right, I, and I, I've got to tell you, James, uh, I cannot walk past a homeless person without helping them. Uh, it doesn't have to be a lot, but I just can't walk past them. Many times I've said, let me do my shopping and I'll get you when I come out. And they're still there waiting and I deliver, you know, I, I'm not lying to them and uh, they're very happy and grateful. But I got to tell you, it's weird and I don't do it for karma purposes. What goes around comes around, which we're going to be talking about this week on the show. But for some reason, the more I help people, the more something wonderful happens to me. It's hard to explain, but it, it's magical. I mean, there was one silly time I gave a homeless guy $20, okay? $20. I went to my post office box, and I had an unexpected check from my insurance company for $1,000. How does that happen? Yeah, it's it's amazing, and I have to tell you, it happens 
to me as well. And some people would say karma. Some people would say it's the universe. I think there's a blessing. I think God blesses people that are givers, that are helping other people. I, I just think it is kind of one of the rules of, of how we're wired up in this existence that we're living in, that, uh, you know, uh, that we give to others and we also are blessed. And even if the blessing was, George, that you didn't get that $1,000 check, just... I didn't, I didn't expect it. I, I didn't right. give the 20 with the understanding that something wonderful is going to happen to right. me, but it just but it happens. Is. Yeah. 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 It's, it, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.